Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. We're in this series that we've entitled here to serve, because that's why Jesus came to this earth. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples when he calls them together, and he says, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people. And the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. They put themselves in a high place. They use the position wrongly. But among you, you followers of Christ, you disciples, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you has to be the slave of everyone else. Well, we don't like that. And Jesus then said these prophetic words, even the Son of Man speaking of himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. If that's why Jesus came, then that's why we're here as well, because we're to be like him, correct? He came to serve, so therefore we are here to serve. Now today, what we last week we talked about, and I don't know if any of you remember or not, so I'll just remind you, we talked about attitude. Did any of you work on your attitude this week? For those of you that didn't, you should have. Okay? We talked about attitude and how important it is. This week, we're going to talk about the actions of a servant. The two go together. Jesus taught a lot about serving. Many times, we just kind of buzz over those passages and don't look at it and don't see it. But he talked a lot about this. In fact, it was so important to him that on the very last moments of his life, when he gathered with his disciples in that upper room to celebrate what we call the Last Supper, he taught them something that he said, I want you to know this. And it says he took a towel and a basin and he began to wash their feet. Peter said, no, don't wash mine. Jesus said, look, I got to. And they had that little disagreement. And then when he was done, he stood up and said, now look, I've just showed you how you're to operate in this life. This is what I do. This is what you should do. So he was very serious about this understanding of being a servant. In Luke chapter 17, he tells another passage where he teaches on servanthood. He says, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does the master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, serve me while I eat, You can eat later if there's anything left. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Now, we're going to look at that little passage right there and kind of tear it apart this morning. I got four things I want to talk to you about servanthood. Now, I understand that some things are different as you look up here and look at the screens. Things aren't as bright or whatever. Uh, How many of you recognize that a year, a couple years ago, I don't remember how long, the government in its wisdom told us we had to replace all of our light bulbs? Remember, you got to do something else now and everything else. All of our stage lighting was the old lights. And we've nursed them for a year or more, trying to get them and keep them operational. But this year it came time for Scrooge, and we recognized we're not going to be able to do this if we don't fix this light situation, because we couldn't find old bulbs. We couldn't replace it. And the new stuff didn't fit. 
So we're in the process of replacing all of our stage lighting. Isn't that, if it's not one thing, it's something else, isn't it? This way I go. So you're going to notice that a little bit. For those of you that knew the curtains are closed because they're doing the set and getting it all prepared. And so just so you see, things are a little different. The lifts are there. People are working. So just bear with us a little bit. I mean, you took, you were okay as we did the portache, right? Well, we just found another way to inconvenience you somewhere else. After all, your servants, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk about these actions and everything and what a servant is because that's what this passage is about. It's about faithfulness and duty and everything because there's a world of difference between a volunteer and a servant. A volunteer picks and chooses when and where they'll serve. Well, I think I can maybe work this into my schedule. I I don't know if that's convenient for me. And you want me to do what? No, I don't want to do that. I'll do this over here. You're fortunate to have some of my time. That's a volunteer. A servant serves wherever they're needed. You need something done? I'm in. I'll do it. A volunteer serves when it's convenient. Well, I'll check my schedule and get back with you. And we all know what's going to happen there, don't we? They're not getting back. I'll just do it when it fits, when it's okay. But a servant serves out of commitment and duty. A volunteer serves as long as they're treated well and they feel like it. Well, I don't know. I did something the other day and nobody thanked me for it, so I don't think I'm ever going to do this again. Well, you know, if if you want me to do something, you're going to have to treat me better than that. A servant serves no matter what, because a servant never stops being a servant. And there's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. God calls us to servant. Start as a volunteer if you need to, but work at becoming a servant. Service doesn't make you a servant, but a servant will serve. Just hold on to your seats this morning, okay? I'd like to tell you this is going to be plain. It's going to be plain, I hope. It's going to be simple, I hope. It's just going to be really difficult. Because it goes against our very nature, and it goes against everything in this culture. It goes against our sense of justice, our sense of right and wrong. It just goes against everything we want to believe. So how do I deal with this? So let me give you four things about a servant. Number one, a servant's work is not always exciting. It's not always exciting. In chapter 17 of Luke, verse 7, here's what it says at the beginning. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep. Wow. Every day when this servant got up, what was his job description? Go out and plow and take care of sheep. How good is that? David's anointed king, and what does he do? He goes back to taking care of sheep. See, life is lived in the mundane. Because life is the same things over and over again. A young mother has a baby. She wakes up in the morning when the baby tells her to wake up. She tries to get the baby quiet. She then has to change it. She then has to feed it. She then has to play with it, praying that someday that kid will tire out. 
and then hopefully get a nap in sometime so that you can get some rest and you get up in the afternoon and it's the same thing over and over again and finally at night the baby goes to sleep. And guess what's going to happen the next day when that mom wakes up? Same thing. Or the mom gets the baby up and heads for the preschool and has to drop the child off and has to go to her job. It's the same thing day after day. Pulled between two directions and yet has to be faithful at the work and do what's called to be done. Picks up the child, spends the rest of her time taking care of the child rather than getting to take care of herself and she has to go on. And the man, you know, oh, we all know the men, they do nothing every day, right? No, 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 no. Every day you wake up, you push the snooze alarm, hopefully get a little bit more sleep. Get up, same job, same thing. Day after day after day. And then you get older and don't have that job and you lie awake for a moment thinking, I'm alive. And then trying to see what works and doesn't work and as you move, it's like pouring milk on sugar pops. It's snap, crackle, and pop all the time. You make your way out to the kitchen and they're lined up for you as 47 pills that you got to take somehow during the day and get all that taken care of. And then you begin the same routine over and over again, don't you? That's life, isn't it? The same thing over and over and over again. Now, what makes life any better? We talked about it last week. Attitude. Attitude makes you to be able to do that with joy, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so the guy's plowing all day, doing all day, you know, comes in. It's the same thing, same routine. You know, young people, oh, man, I don't like life. It's boring. Get used to it. And yet God in his wisdom understood this. And so he said, I'll help you out here. He said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you that you've got to work for six days, but on the seventh day, I want you to change things. I want you to not do what you normally do. I want you to get some rest. And we struggle with all of that, don't we? But yet, that's life, isn't it? The same routine, time and time and time, day after day after day. The same job, the same place, the same people. Over and over again. And so, it becomes monotonous. If we're not careful, it becomes boring. It's not always exciting but it is the way life is lived. And I have to understand as a servant, my days are going to be spent serving, taking care of the sheep and plowing the field. Taking care of the sheep, plowing the field. Well, I got to get a break. Well, and you go on that break and you come back just as exhausted as before you left. It's that attitude. It's that other day. That God says, this is for your good. And so a servant just has to understand that when you're called to serve, you don't always get to do the glamorous things. It's not always doing about the things that everybody notices and everybody sees. That a lot of times you just have to serve and nobody notices and nobody sees it. Because it's not always exciting, but it is necessary. Somebody needs to plow the fields. Somebody needs to take care of the sheep. It needs to be done. 
And so I just have to understand that if I'm expecting to serve God and it be in a glamorous life, and well, I'm a Christian now and God will give me something great and glorious to do. Think again. Because even the great and glorious things that you do, you have to do again and again and again and again, don't you? And so I have to understand, look, this isn't always about me being excited. This isn't always about me feeling good. This isn't always about me getting to do something I really like. And you might really like to do it. But after a while, if your attitude stinks, you're going to hate doing it, aren't you? So it's not always exciting. The job isn't always exciting. The marriage isn't always exciting. That's life. And I have to understand that and accept it. But I'm called to serve, no matter how exciting it is or isn't. Secondly, a servant's service never ends. What? Never ends? Never ends? Verse seven, second part. Does the master say, come in and eat with me? I mean, you spent the day out taking care of the sheep and everything else. Does the master, oh, come on and eat with me. Sit down. Let's have supper together. How was your day? No? No? He says, look, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. Well, you ungrateful slob. I've been out working for you all day, and you're going to tell me that I don't get to come in and take a break? No, you keep going. Because a servant's work is never done. Now, there's a, there's a phrase here, and I've used this before, but I want to use it again, remind some of you, and for some of you, maybe the first time, you put on your apron. See, in life, you have one of two things that you're wearing. You're either putting on the apron because you're going to serve, or you put on a bib because you want somebody to serve you. You want somebody to feed you. You want somebody to do what you say. Because if you got a bib on, when a child has a bib on, who's given the orders? That child is, aren't they? That child's telling you, no, don't do this. That child's sloppy. That child, just give me what I want. Give me what I want. I don't want that. I'll throw this. Uh, give me, feed this to the dog. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just, it's all about me, isn't it? You see, there's a lot of people, a lot of Christian who have bibs on. Me, me, me. Take care of me. What I want, what I think, what I think it should be. Me. But in the story, the master tells the servant, Put on your apron. You're not done working. There's still more to do. Well, Pastor, don't you ever get tired of that? And we have a phrase for it. You get weary in well-doing. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary. You carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, you're getting ready to work, aren't you? Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. 
and the burden I give you is light. Here it is. If the attitude is right, the burden is light. So many times we get wore out because of our attitude, don't we? I shouldn't have to do this. This just isn't right for me. How many marriages have had damage control because someone thinks they have a right to be served rather than to serve? And how many job situations are creating turmoil because there's someone who is an employee who thinks they should be the boss? And how many relationships are in struggle because someone thinks they're right and they're not? And we create tensions, don't we? And we forget that, you know what? I'm just called to serve. That's who I am. That's what I'm about. That's what Christianity is. And I will serve as best as I can the days of my life because I'm a servant. And my actions will back that up. And I will do everything I need to do. And I don't need to get tired because God says his burden is light. He's going to take care of me. He will give me the strength that I need. And when you get yourself exhausted because of all that you're doing, the problem is you're doing it under your own energy rather than the Holy Spirit's energy. Yet we blame everything else, don't we? Galatians chapter 6 verse 8. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. You see, the servant's location may change outside plowing fields, taking a sheep, or inside cooking meal, but he's still the servant. So no matter where he goes, the job description of a servant is very simple. You do what you're told. Now, we really don't like that, do we? Who do you think you are telling me what to do? I've been doing this longer than you. I know better than you. You're not qualified. Aren't you glad you came today? Yeah, okay. And you know what? God has a reward for you when you serve. You want to know what it is? He gives you more service. To those who are faithful in little, much more will be given. Uh, I think I'll pass. You're always in it serving. Why? It's your nature. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, well, I accepted Christ as my Savior so I'd go to heaven. Okay. But there's more to it than just that. Until you get to heaven, you have a job description. Your job description is to be like Jesus Christ. And in what we read this morning, Jesus said, I came to this planet to serve you. So I think that's our job description too. We're here to serve God 
And how do we serve God? We're serving others. And if you're faithful and little, God will give you more. It's just your nature. You don't say, I've done my time. Your place of service may change. It may be out plowing the fields. It may be in the kitchen. It may be somewhere else. That may change. That comes and goes. But the heart of a servant is always, I want to serve. There's a story about a little girl who was learning to tie her shoes. And her father and her had worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And finally, one day, she did it. And instead of being joyful and happy about it, she starts crying. She burst out, tears everywhere. Her dad bends down and says, what's going on? She says, I tied my shoes. Her dad, well, you know what? You just learned how. It's great. You'll be able to do that. She goes, I know, but now I'm going to have to do it the rest of my life. Yes, you are. See, that's what servants do. We serve. And it is not something we dread. It is something we love. If the attitude's right. Many times the problem is not the service God's asking you to do. It's the attitude you have while doing it. These two have to be together. And God says, I want to use you. But you're going to have to understand something. You don't get to give me orders. And you don't get to pick and choose and just volunteer as to when you want to do something or where you want to do it. You're my servant. I serve God. He gets to give me the orders, doesn't he? 1 Corinthians 15. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, immovable. Always work enthusiastically with a horrible attitude. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. 2 Thessalonians 3. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Now, you see, that's really hard for us because we live in a day and time where it's all about me, isn't it? It's about what I want, what I think. It's take care of me first as long as I'm happy. You know, and if so-and-so isn't happy, then nobody's going to be happy. You know, it's that whole thing. But yet that's not the attitude of the Christ-likeness and of Christianity, is it? Is it? No. So, it doesn't end. Because that's our lifestyle. That's who we are. We're servants. Thirdly, a servant should not expect to be thanked. Notice what it says in verse 9 of our text. Does the master thank the servant for doing what he's told to do? Of course not. Now, please hear me. If you're in a position of leadership, you should be thanking the people under you. You should be grateful. You should express it. But if you're a servant, it doesn't matter whether you get thanked or not. Well, I did this and they didn't even recognize me. No one ever said thank you for me. You know... There's a, there's a legal term, it's called 
quid pro quo. In other words, something for something. I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. So in other words, look what I did for you. Now I expect you to do something for me. Unfortunately, that is too frequently how we serve. Well, look what I've done for God and look what God did for me. God bailed on me. God doesn't owe you anything. Well, look how I served my family and they didn't even thank me. Your family doesn't owe you if you're a servant. It's just what servants do, thanked or not. Now, it's always nice to be thanked. But we serve whether we're thanked or not. Well, I did all of this for the church and what thanks do I get? The church doesn't owe you. You weren't serving to get recognition, were you? Hmm, no. We serve because we're Christians. We serve because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was a servant. He didn't get thanked. People didn't appreciate him. People called him a liar, a cheat, a fraud. And yet, what did he do? He kept serving. You see, we don't focus on our feelings. We focus on the task that the master has placed before us. We're grateful for what we get to do. We don't serve with expectations. We don't serve because if I do this, then they're going to do this for me. Well, if I do this, then I'll get this. If I do this, then God will owe me. And thus something happens. Well, maybe I need to do more for God so that God will do something for me. No, no, no. God does everything for us because he loves us. Not because you've earned it. Not because you've worked hard enough. Just because he loves us. And you and I should do the same for him, right? God, I'll work for you. And God, you've already done so much for me, you don't owe me a thing. And our motivation for service is our heart for serving God. I don't have to have acknowledgement. I don't have to be thanked. I don't have to get a thank you note. I don't have to, you know, question how this was done or that was done. I just serve. Well, what if nobody recognized my service? God's watching. He knows. But you know what? He's not just watching what you do. He's watching your heart as well, isn't he? And God looks on the inside and he takes notice of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so a servant comes to that place where I don't have expectations of what you have to do for me and how you owe me. Does the the master that? No, you're just doing what's expected. God expects me to serve. God expects me to be a servant. All I'm doing is my duty. Last one, good. The servant doesn't feel entitled. Builds on the previous point. Notice what he says in the last verse in verse 10. In the same way, just like Jesus in this story, 
when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. You see, we want to know what it will cost, how long I got to do this, you know, I can do it once, and what do I get to do, and what benefit am I going to get out of it? But if I'm a servant of God, I don't care what I get out of it. I don't care what happens. I just want to please him. And no matter what I do, I cannot do more than is expected of me because God doesn't owe me a thing. And he's already given me so much that I can't handle anymore. I'm not entitled. We just see ourselves as unworthy servants. God, I don't deserve this. But I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you care for me. I thank you that you're willing to give to me. And God, I'm grateful for all that you've given. I don't deserve credit for serving God. Obedience is not something extra that I do. It's my duty. And what do I want to do? Same thing Jesus did. I want to make life better for others. Because if I live a life selfishly just for me and what I'm going to get out of it, I'm going to make my life a mess. Because parents, as we all know, those kids don't always thank you, do they? Other people don't always thank you for what you do. but how many relationships have been harmed because someone felt like I'm the only one working at this. I do all of this and no one says thank you. No one appreciates me. No one notices. That's an attitude problem, isn't it? It's not a problem with everybody else. I'm called to serve. It's who I am. Happiness in life comes from serving. Not from self-gratification like we're told by our culture. Real life is not something we get. It's something we give. It's not me first. It's not we first. It's he first. He's above all. He came to serve me and he died for me. I want to live to serve him. And I'm willing to lay down my life. And that's what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. He says, listen to this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to make a mess of it. You're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find life. You will find joy. Now I understand this is a very difficult concept for us because it goes against everything that our nature says. And some of you already, well, what about, what about, what about? Stop asking that. God will take care of you. And this is really difficult to do. It's not because it's difficult to understand. It's just difficult to obey it. 
So this morning, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Last week, how's the attitude? I'll ask that again. But are your actions in your life reflecting the heart that you're to have as a servant? Your day-to-day living are the actions of Christ-likeness, of obedience to him, of being and doing what he's called us to do. And if not, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to fix that? It's your choice. It's your understanding. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But it's critical because it's at the heart of who we are as Christians. So would you take a moment just between you and God? Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. You say, well, pastor, this isn't a very attractive way to invite someone to accept Christ. Oh, no. You've been working really hard for you and for others and everything else. And how's that working for you right now? It's probably not. But if you'll give your life to Christ and serve him rather than you, you're going to find real life. Much more than you can imagine. And see, the enemy lies to us and tells us, if you give up your life and if you serve like that, everybody's going to take advantage of you and you'll get nothing in life. That's a lie. The truth is, Jesus came to serve and he did it with a willing, joyful heart. If we'll serve, we will have all the blessings of God that we can imagine. And we will have real life. So would you take a moment, just maybe bow your head, close your eyes, whatever you need to do to create a space for you. Would you just have a short conversation with God about you? Lord, today this is really difficult for us because it's so against the grain of who we are and what we're about and the world that we live in. But it is the heart of Christianity. Denying myself and taking up my cross, dying to me and living for you. Of serving you and not me. Hard for us. But your ways are always right. You provide a way for us to do it. You tell us your burden is light. We make it really heavy when we try to do it our way instead of yours. So would you help us to have the attitude of Christ with the actions of Christ who lived his life to the fullness for others and he laid down his life for us. Thank you today for showing us the way to live and the truth. Help us to live by it and put it into practice in our lives, I pray. In thy name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. 
Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.